The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So we're going to be in, continue in John uh, chapter 6 this morning. John chapter 6, verse 16. Um, as I read John... 616 to 24 this morning I want you to be thinking about a couple of questions just rummaging them through your mind as we go through this passage and uh, the first one is what is Jesus to you really Um, to put it in maybe a, a different way what kind of a God is Jesus to you and the second question, why does it matter? Okay, so what, what is Jesus to you and, and why does it matter? Um, as we come to this passage, just to continue on, we've been in John for, for several weeks. We're coming to a passage which is, and to a book, which is wonderful because it, it talks about a God uh, who was uh, in in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then that Word became flesh, and uh, a, a translation says that God moved into our neighborhood. And so He's a God that can relate to us, um, it, and it doesn't matter uh, who we are or where we came from or what we came from. We can be from all different uh, walks of life, all different upbringings. Uh, and yet this God moved into our neighborhood and understands us and, and can relate to us and can offer us incredible life, uh, no matter who we are, no matter where we came from, life. And so the book ends by saying that these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And so that's why we're spending time in the book of John is to to see fresh this Jesus, eternal God, who became a human being, did it not ceasing to be God, but became a human being so he could meet us where we're at and offer us life. So if you want to follow along with me, John six sixteen. Um, there we are. Um, it says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake and where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. That would probably frighten you too. But Jesus said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there, and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And that was the feeding of the, what Daniel said, 15,000 as you add everybody together. Um, 
And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Let's pray just for God to teach us. Father, I do ask you to teach us um, and that you would open our hearts that these words that are your words would become real words, uh, words that change us, change our thinking, change our, our, um, our acting, um, that we would be people that experience increasingly the life that you offer us in Jesus. Amen. Um, so you're, I'm going to expose myself a little bit here this morning. Um, I love vending machines. Is that pretty transparent, huh? I, I don't think my wife even knows this. Um, <laughs> she's, she's, we're going to have a long conversation when we get home, I suppose. The, uh, when I'm on the ferry, for example, and you know you get that flanks of vending machines there, one of the one of the greatest temptations for me is I just want to buy something from a vending machine. And I think, <laughs> I know I need therapy or something. I, uh, I think where it comes from, I, I, I grew up in a family that, that didn't have a, a lot of money. And so that would be impossible for me, you know, spending $5 for a little Snickers candy bar or $20 for a little cheese crackers or something. But, but I... It is just such a draw to me <laughs> that I always just want to buy something from a vending machine. I mean, it is so much... How, do any of you have that addiction problem? I don't know. That's, wow, I'm all alone. I'm feeling really alone right now. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's so much exciting and way much more of a draw than somebody walking up to me like Jordan walking up to me Dave you want a Snickers candy bar and I mean that would be great I wouldn't turn it down but what if it's not a Snickers that I really want right I mean what if it's a what are the other choices I Cindy doesn't let me eat candy bars I don't (laughs) Uh, yeah whatever the other Hershey's okay the uh, because I want what I want and I want the ability to choose and and whatever I want. Now, the reason for that illustration is because I think it really hits home to us in terms of a God. And I deliberately use that word, a God, because I think as the world we live in, I mean, history is full of examples of people choosing their gods, right? What what they want what we want our God to be. And so you look at history and there's and even today if particularly if in a graphic way if you look at a country like India, I mean you have a nation full of gods, right? I mean you have you choose your God if you want it to be a river god or a mountain god or a sun god or a food god or fertility god or uh, it's it's like we're a people that in the same way that we want to pick, uh, and you know, America is so much more full of choices. When we lived in the Philippines as missionaries, uh, 
I mean, you don't have many choices. I mean, you eat the same thing almost every day. But here, it's, we, we, we want all these choices. What, what do you want your God to be? In order to meet your needs and, and fulfill your desires. In order to make you happy. And, and so I think we've become a people that, that really, we believe in a vending machine God. Right? What do, you, what do you, you want your God to be? In order to make you happy and fulfill your needs and meet your desires. Second uh, Timothy 4.3 hits this right on the head. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, meaning ears just itching to hear what they want to hear, will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, meaning to tell them what they want to hear. Uh, And I think that's what we've become. In fact, I've heard it over and over and over again. Uh, So many from the young people that we work with and and adults that, that say, you know, I'm not really into Christianity. I just kind of put together my own beliefs, you know, kind of what I believe and and that's what I believe. It's kind of a vending machine kind of religion. Well, that's exactly what we saw at the end of the passage that Daniel preached on last Sunday as Jesus fed the 5,000 men, 15,000 individuals altogether, and came to the end of that time and this is what it says to, to refresh our memory. It says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. I mean, that was the, the result of Jesus miraculously with five little loaves of bread and, and two fish. Is that or Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, at our community group on Wednesday night, we were imagining, how, how did that happen? Uh, how do you turn five into feeding 15,000 people? And, um, but the end result of, of Jesus doing that was them wanting to make him king by force. <laughs> and that end, why? I mean, I, I think it's a no-brainer. It's like free food <laughs> on demand any time. I mean, whatever, whenever you want it. I mean, just think of that. If you could... If they could have boxed Jesus up, locked him up, and said, okay, today, blueberry fritters sound good. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 make that glazed donuts. Um, no, old-fashioned would be great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of other things besides donuts, but, um, but imagine that. Wouldn't that be beautiful? But... Even more so to say, no, I don't want to believe that. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I don't want to be told not to do that. Okay. And so we come to the end of the passage last week, uh, John 6, 1 to 15. And the big question I want us to ask ourselves as we move into verse 16 here is, 
Are we letting Jesus be Jesus in our lives? Or is Jesus the Jesus we believe in, a God of our own making? And and that can happen in all kinds of ways, right? It can happen in all kinds of ways to where he's a God that lets us live however we want to live, or a God that that we make full of rules or or with no rules. I mean, is is Jesus, and and I want us to really wrestle, think about the way you live your life. Is it Jesus that is in charge of your life? Is it it Jesus that is being Jesus? Or is, is he a God of that you've made that fits what you want and what you desire and uh, allows you to be who you are instead of him being the God of your life. So I think as we come to the end of the section and we, and we come in here, if Aaron, if you could put that up again, we're going to just keep it up there and look at verse 16. As Jesus has dismissed the thousands of people uh, well, he didn't really dismiss them. He just kind of escaped from them, right? As they were going to make him king by force, their kind of magic food provider. Uh, he goes up into the mountain to pray. And his disciples head down to the lake. And and their they're thinking has got to be just confused, right? I mean, he's fed all these people. And they're pretty excited about that, too. Uh, they're thinking, man, this could be maybe become a business, right? <laughs> I mean, no more fishing. <laughs> I mean, when you can turn two fish into enough fish to feed 15,000 people, that you don't need to fish anymore. Uh, they're thinking business opportunity. They're, they're thinking, man, maybe, maybe the fish that we had today, he could even turn those into salmon, or, you know, the bread we had, that could become cinnamon raisin toast. I mean, you know, I mean, the possibilities were incredible. But at the same time, I think they're confused because they're thinking, who is this guy really? <laughs> I mean, if, if, he, if he wants to be king, why didn't he just accept their <laughs> offer to become king? Why did he avoid them and... And, and what's really going on. So as we come into this paragraph right here, it's, I think what is happening, it's just, it's, it's a perception correction, if we could put it that way. It's Jesus working these, this scenario in a way that he's going to correct their perception and reveal to them who he really is and the relationship that he really is looking for them to have with him, not not the perverted one that the crowd was wanting to to make him the king of their choosing, but but revealing to him the king he really is. So, again, are we letting Jesus be Jesus in our lives? And this is this is the big idea, and this, it's kind of a long statement, but I really want you to think about it. this. Captures, I think, these verses. Jesus will only be what we really need when we let him be who he really is and not what we want him to be. You get that? Jesus will only be what we really need 
when we let him be who he really is and not what we try to make him to be. And the thing that impacted me about these verses was, and just asking myself, is Jesus really Jesus in my life? Or, Or am I not becoming and not experiencing what God would have me to become and have me to experience because I'm making Jesus the God that I wanted to be instead of him being the God who who he really is in my life. So let's look at these verses. There's four things that that I, I think we need to see. First, verses 16 and 17, in order for this perception correction, notice it says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake and where they they got into a boat and they set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. And if you want to put one word to it, it's the word alone. And uh, I think the first thing in Jesus preparing them to see him for who he really is and them needing to see him for who he really is, is they needed to be alone. Um, I wrote down a phrase here. It says, truth will never be a group decision. Um, and so what Jesus does, he, he starts by just getting them away from the gossip and the chatter and the murmur of the crowds all by themselves away, alone. And, and the point here is that very little clarity happens through crowd consensus. We need to be alone to where we are just by ourselves alone with God. <laughs> to get a clear picture of who he is. And, and the question I want, and this is just kind of an introduction, is do you take time to be still and know that he's God? Or just kind of going back to what, what, what Daniel, um, some advice he gave earlier, are you spending all your time on Facebook or, or, or you know, just talking and, and, and interacting and, and with other people? Are, are you taking time to just be still and know that he's God? Or is it just, is it all just talk and interaction going on without just being still and knowing that he's God? So the first thing he does, he just gets them all by themselves alone. Verse 18 and 19. While they're alone, it says, a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed about three or four miles they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. The, the word here I put is terrified. And, and I think the point of what Jesus is doing that here is he's got them alone, and now he's bringing them to the end of themselves where they no longer have it figured out as to what they want or what they need. They're just terrified. In Matthew Chapter 14, one of the parallel passages in verse 26, I think it helps clarify it because it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. See, here it says they saw Jesus approaching. I think we get the idea that they they saw this person approaching and they thought it was Jesus. But Matthew 14 makes it clear they saw and they didn't. They just thought it was a ghost. I mean, they are freaked out. And they're, they're scared. They're no longer in control. They don't have it figured out anymore. Like, this is what I need. And, and we need to come to that. Not like, because we need to, 
be alone before God and to the point to where it's, God, I need you. I don't have it figured out that if I get this desire met and if and I get this what I want, that everything's going to be... We just come to the point to where here they're just... They're at their end. They are scared to death. They're terrified. They're by themselves. And they think they're, they think it's over. <laughs> they see this apparition approaching them. And they think it's, it's lights, right? The point is Jesus cannot be king if you are. If you're using him, you can't be serving him, Right? How many of us, and how many times have I, has God been a God that I'm using instead of God that I'm serving? Question, are you still trying to be in charge of your life? We, we call ourselves followers of Jesus, but is it really him that we're following? Is he the one leading or are we leading and expecting him to to meet our desires and needs as we demand. We come to verse 20. They're they're terrified. Jesus says to them, it is I, don't be afraid. You know, this is the turning point here, and, and we can't really see it here, but what Jesus really says, and it's the second time he says it, he, the first time he said it, he said it to the Samaritan woman by the well. This is the second time. And in the book of John, we're going to see many times where Jesus says this, and it's, it's the key to the book of John, I think, where what Jesus says, literally, he says to them, I am. I am. Don't be afraid. To understand this, I just want to go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. And this is the first time we're introduced. In Exodus, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Moses says to God, as God is calling Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What is the God of your fathers? Then what shall I tell him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God said, that's, that's my name, meaning I am. Meaning, and it has all kinds of connotations, meaning I am eternal God. I am self-sufficient God. I am self-existent God. I, everything else is dependent upon me. I alone am. That's what God says his name is. And, and here Jesus, as the disciples are all alone, they're confused. They're, they're knowing what the crowd wanted to do. And, and I think the disciples were thinking the same thing. This would be a good deal if we can get him to meet all of our desires and and do whatever we want. And now they're alone, they're terrified, and Jesus simply tells them, I am. I am. I think what, what Jesus is doing, he's providing this contrast between the people trying to force him to their will and Jesus showing that, that it's about his will. 
It's, it's not about him meeting our desires, but it's about him being the sovereign God of the universe. Not someone to, to force to our wills, but, but to us to serve him because he's God. The point is Jesus is not a vending machine option according to what our wants and our desires are. That will never truly transform us and change us and offer us and give us life if that's what we desire, real life. Jesus isn't a vending machine option. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He's the I am. The question is, again, are you letting Jesus be Jesus or are you making him into a God of your own desiring? It's, it's a subtle thing, but I think we do it so easily so much of the time. The result is, verse 21, here it says, then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Uh, in two of the other parallel passages, listen to the response and I, I think it helps us to understand much more how they truly responded to Jesus when he said, I am. In Mark 6, one of the parallel passages in verse 52, it says, they were completely amazed. <laughs> They're stunned. For they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. You know, see, they were just like the crowd. They, the, Jesus broke the loaves and they're thinking, this is, this is beautiful. They, they did, their hearts were hardened. They, they were thinking their own desires and what Jesus was offering them by breaking the bread is he was offering them himself. For them to be amazed by him and consumed by him and wanting to worship him. And that's what it says in verse Matthew 14. And I, this is, I love this, Matthew 14, 32. It says, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him. Saying, truly, you are the son of God. <laughs> and that's exactly what needed to happen. He got him alone. He brought them to the end of themselves where it, you know, what they wanted and what they desired, it didn't matter to them. They were just scared. They were terrified to where he could reveal to them who he is. Get them off of their own thinking and their own desires and wants and they just see him. And the result was worship. Worship. It totally changed their perception from what they thought was so important, their own desires, their own wants, their own wishes, to where they saw him. And they worshiped him. This is beautifully illustrated in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah, it says, sees the Lord Almighty lifted up. It says angels are all around him and they're, they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And, and when Isaiah sees that, he he sees himself and he says, man, I am, woe is me. I mean, for the first time he saw himself clearly when he saw God clearly, he said, man, I'm undone. And, and, and one of the angels come and took a, a coal from the altar and touched his lips and says, you're forgiven. And the result in Isaiah says, here am I, send me. You know, it wasn't about Isaiah anymore. What he wanted and what he wished for and what he would desire. But when he, when he saw God, when he saw Jesus, the I am, 
then his whole perspective was changed and it wasn't about him. It was about, I worship you. I'm here for you. Here am I. Send me. Why does this matter? I just want to repeat that phrase again. You know, Jesus will only be what we really need to experience life when we let him be who he really is, the I am, instead of what we want him to be. I mean, we we cheat ourselves so bad, don't we? (laughs) Because we think of all of what we want, all of what our desires are, and, and how God can meet those things when God wants to make us something incredible. He wants to make us like Jesus. But instead of becoming like Jesus and experience that a life above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine in relationship to the I am, we, we, we experience cheap substitutes of just trying to get our needs and our desires met temporarily instead of what incredibly he would do, making us like him. You know, we wonder, why is my life in turmoil? Why do I keep going through the same struggles? Why am I going in circles instead of growing in freedom and maturity in Christ? Could it be because we're still in charge trying to make Jesus what we want him to be, fitting our needs and our desires instead of letting him be the I am and us being in submission and obedience to him and experiencing the incredible difference that relationship would be? Let's pray. Jesus, uh, how... How amazing that you, eternal God, humbled yourself, took upon yourself our humanity, went through all kinds of uh, temptation, incredible suffering, went to the cross so that we could have a relationship, we could know you, the I am sovereign God of the universe and experience life in you. God, open our eyes to to see you and just want to know you and you to be our God. Thank you. Amen.